This is episode four of An Uncommon Serial. Chapter three, Strange Dreams. Anyone who's slept in a swimming pool knows how Nyx fared that night. Her raisiny skin cried out for oxygen, and her bones ached from the effort of keeping her body upright, not to mention the nausea that swept over her when she thought of the canine body fluids she was bathing in. After what seemed like hours, the tainted rainwater began to find its way out of the grave, seeping into tiny cracks and massaging its way past the clay. As the water level crept below Nix's waist, she found she could sit in a corner and still maintain her head above water. But even aided by extreme exhaustion, falling asleep was quite a feat. She had to ignore the clack of water in her ears, the unruly panic that tried to erupt at unexpected intervals, and most of all that blasted lantern Mrs. Zerby had left at the top of the grave. It shone down on her, mocking her, daring her to try once more, prodding her to injure her hands again and maybe even break some limbs this time. But eventually her head fell back against the dirt and she slept. She dreamed of Leaf turned zombie. She dreamed of a man and a boy arguing in a graveyard. She dreamed of Jordan playing dominoes. But when she called his name, he fell backward and disappeared. Nix. Why was she so cold? Nix, grab on. She knew that voice. Her eyes fluttered open, and for a moment she stared at the large hand above her. From the bushy hair covering the length of the arm, she guessed it didn't belong to Mrs. Zerby. Nix, are you hurt? Sergeant Frost! Nix clamped both hands onto his wrist. A misplaced dream skittered through her mind, as if Nix had awoken too soon, and it hadn't had a chance to crawl back into its hole. The vision lasted only a millisecond, but the afterimage continued to burn into her mind. Fluorescents flicker overhead. Sergeant Frost stares through a plastic window, a corded phone pressed to his ear. Tears streak both cheeks. Nix, why? Nix blinked. Whoa, that was weird. She'd have to remember that one. Jordan loved trying to interpret her dreams. Sergeant Frost readjusted his grip. It didn't matter that Nix's fingers were too cold to curl properly. In one quick movement, the policeman lifted her out and set her on the grass. Nix soaked in the sensation of air on her face. A smattering of stars had replaced the evil clouds, and the world seemed so big and free. She never wanted to go indoors again. Another man laughed. Looks like she's been down there a month. The remark came from the large shape on the other side of the grave. Much too loud for post-traumatic rescue. Officer Crotty, go get a blanket out of the trunk. Even crouching next to her, Sergeant Frost was tall. The smile lines at his eyes softened what might have otherwise been a stern face. You're freezing, he said. She hadn't thought much about her icy limbs. Even at home, she usually woke up cold. He stood. Can you walk? Let's get your blood moving. Her legs were made of cardboard, but she managed to hobble with him, supporting one arm. Where are your shoes? he asked. They fell off somewhere. Nix wasn't about to admit to her half-baked escape plan. Part of her wanted to find the shoe that flew off, but one sneaker wouldn't do her much good, and by that point the mutt had probably taken the other to New Jersey. Well, your mother's a little worried, to say the least. Called us five hours ago. Claimed you'd been kidnapped by drug warlords. I'm sorry, Nick said through her hands. We got a bit scared ourselves when we couldn't find you. 
looked all over until a woman called to tell us you might be stuck in a grave. Might be? That's rich. Sergeant Frost steered her around a large marble cross. What do you mean? Mrs. Zerby left me. Love Zerby? That doesn't sound like something she'd do. Nick squeezed muddy water out of her hair. She found me, but didn't seriously try to get me out before she ran off. But at least she called someone. Nix added the last part reluctantly. She didn't want to sound ungrateful, after all. And left the lantern, Sergeant Frost said. Let us write to you. Officer Crotty stood at the open trunk of a police cruiser, grunting in a vaguely aggressive way. The man was at least a foot shorter than Sergeant Frost, with a buzzed head and freakishly large muscles. His uniform appeared several sizes too small, but Nix didn't think it was due to a mix-up in the orders. His pecs stretched the fabric so tight that they threatened to break through at any moment, sending bits of shirt exploding in all directions. Maybe that's what he was trying for. Crotty approached. Can't find the blanket. Nick squinted in case a button came flying her way. Crotty brushed off his pants. Did you say it was Zerby that left the lantern? Yeah, Sergeant Frost said. I guess she found Nick's, but didn't try to help her. Ah. Love wouldn't do that. Crotty glared at Nix, as if wondering what would cause her to besmirch a poor old lady's name. Nix looked at the ground. What was it with this woman? Somehow she had brainwashed everybody into thinking she was some sweet, grave-digging Mother Teresa. Sergeant Frost pulled a motor oil-scented blanket out of the trunk and draped it over Nix's shoulders. Crotty slammed the trunk. You didn't say it was under stuff. On the ride home, Sergeant Frost drove blissfully slow. Although Nix ached to get into bed, she was not excited about the reunion with her mother. And of course, there was also the I'm-going-to-die-a-fiery-death sensation she got in moving vehicles. Crotty looked back at Nix with half a grin. Here it came. Love didn't mention how you got stuck. Did you slip? No, she didn't slip. A sadistic halfwit kicked her from behind. She nearly said it out loud, but something stopped her. Even though it was her chance to get Leaf and Danny busted, somehow it didn't seem wise. On one hand, it would feel great to see them punished and humiliated. The whole school would know what happened. But on the other, whatever their punishment, eventually they'd be back to school and turn her life into purgatory. Not to mention everyone in town would know she was too fat to get herself out of the hole. I fell in, Nick said. It was dark. I followed a dog up here and apparently missed the gaping pit. Isn't there some kind of rule about leaving dangerous holes around? Sergeant Frost sighed. We've tried to get Mrs. Irby to wait until the night before the funeral, but she's stubborn. Claims people die. In threes. She let me in on her little theory. Sergeant Frost smiled, but a weariness showed in his eyes. Suddenly Nix felt awful. Not only had he come to fish her out, but now he had to listen to her complain as well. Why was she such a whiner? So it hadn't been the best day, whoopee. Welcome to life as Nick's whack. She also digs the graves a lot deeper than they need to be, Sergeant Frost said. Four feet is usually plenty. Maybe she thinks they're going to escape, but she does it for practically nothing, so most people let her do what she wants. Sarge, Crotty said. You might want to drive a little faster. Remember, Patty said she wanted her home in five minutes or she's coming up here? Besides... We've still got to get that statement from Mr. McGuckin. Nix's ears perked up. What's going on with McGuckin? Sergeant Frost gave Crotty a stern look. What? Crotty asked. 
It's not like she won't notice at school on Monday. Notice what? Someone took a hacksaw to the high school mascot. They cut it up? People had been painting the Wolverine statue for years, but this was the first time someone had gotten serious. Sergeant Frost turned onto the empty highway, cut it clean off, and took it with them. Wendell is missing? Even if it was an ugly statue, it was her school, her mascot. That's the third vandalism this week, Crotty said. Nick shifted her weight on the hard plastic seat. Weird. It's usually super boring around town. You'd be surprised, Sergeant Frost said. The last couple years, our calls have more than doubled. That's not even counting the whole football rivalry thing. Unfortunately, the town wouldn't give us any new officers. Six of us to deal with drug trafficking, break-ins, you name it. Nick's grimaced. Sorry my mom and I are adding to your workload. Crotty shrugged, like she didn't need to feel bad, but if she did, all the better. Sergeant Frost smiled. It was my favorite part of the evening. His cell phone rang, and he lifted it to his ear. Yes, Patty, we're on our way. Nix covered her eyes so the officers didn't think she condoned this sort of behavior. Be there in three minutes. Nix could hear her mother's frantic voice still babbling as he hung up. Three minutes? Nix was about to protest. They were still almost ten minutes away from the trailer park. But then Sergeant Frost turned on the flashing lights and gunned the engine. In an instant, they were flying through the quiet streets at breakneck speed. He may have slowed slightly at intersections. Nix couldn't be sure because her eyes were clamped shut. As the car tore through the neighborhood, Nix felt around in vain for a seatbelt. It was fine if they didn't want the prisoners trying to strangle themselves, but what were they supposed to do in a head-on collision? Two minutes and 45 seconds later, they screeched to a halt in front of the Wack family trailer. Even in the dark, the rusted sides and dented roof made it look more like an abandoned boxcar than a residence. Sergeant Frost opened the car door for her. Nix took a few deep breaths. She could do this. Thank you for finding me. Jordan's coming home tomorrow. Sergeant Frost glanced at his watch. Well, technically it is tomorrow. He's coming back? Nix didn't care if she sounded desperate. All that mattered was that she not have to be alone anymore. She couldn't wait to tell Jordan how she took on the beater and almost died. Maybe she'd leave out the part about getting peed on. But the thing that excited her most? They still had a few days of summer vacation to spend however they wanted. First on the list was riding bikes, and they'd definitely have to climb on his roof and jump off onto the trampoline, while Sergeant Frost was at work. His grandparents are dropping him off after lunch, and I think you'll be surprised when you see him. Nick's wrinkled an eyebrow. Had he gained 200 pounds from Grandma's greasy cooking? That wouldn't be so bad. At least people would stare at both of them while they rode bikes. You better get in there. Your mother's already used half my phone minutes this month. I've got to save some for work. It was strange that Mrs. Wack wasn't already outside, not even peering between the ragged curtains, fogging up the window with her angry snorts. The cops left. Nix hesitated at the top of her wobbly front steps. Her heart was running laps around her ribcage. Jordan, home. Nix touched the handle. The door was already ajar. This was unheard of. Mrs. Wack was so paranoid about the cats escaping that to leave the door open would be like an arachnophobe sleeping in a woodpile. Her mother must really be unhinged. Nick stepped into the trailer, but to her utter confusion and extreme delight, there was no caustic barrage of overparenting, only silence. This was even stranger, but Nick's wasn't one to question her luck. 
Maybe she could sneak into her room and claim she'd been there the whole time. She'd have to come up with a creative explanation for the caked mud in her hair. Nix was halfway to the hall when her heart leapt into her throat. Someone sat at the kitchen table, and it was not her mother. A man with thick black hair stared at her with dark eyes. Clutched in his filthy hands was a polished rifle.